And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shut my cake hole. And today we are going to be talking about the 14th episode of Season 3 of Supernatural, titled Long Distance Call. Jamie, what did you think? Okay, so either the lighting's getting better (laughs) or my eyes are adapting to low light settings. Okay. It's been a hot minute since you've mentioned the lighting, actually. Yeah. What... The lighting was okay in this episode. I love so that. So either yeah. it's getting better or I'm just getting used to the lighting being shit okay. so, like, I can actually perceive it better. Okay. I, I'm i so fascinated by this. <laughs> I think there's an equal there's an equal likelihood that it's both. Like, there's 50% chance that they have improved. 50% chance you're, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Adapting? Mm. 50% chance your standards have lowered. <laughs> See, I was thinking of more of it like a, you know, like a pirate and like eye patch situation where it's like they keep one eye in darkness so that it can actually like perceive when they go below deck so they can see that shit and then they, Mm -hmm. I was thinking it was like that sort of situation. Okay. Right. Also, there is a good chance my standards have lowered. I mean, I've watched almost (laughs) three whole seasons seasons. Supernatural. So, oh, wait, maybe, is this your first symptom of brain worms? No. I think it is. I think they've got your eyes. I think I think that's where that that's the point of infection. <laughs> I don't think so because none of them are my blorbos yet. Oh yeah, okay. That's fair. You don't have a blorbo. I do have a blorbo, but there are so few episodes that it's like it doesn't have any. Yeah, part. okay, okay. You don't have an, a main uh protagonist no. blorbo. Yeah, no. Unlike me. Because my blorbos appear in like four episodes and then they disappear. Yeah, well, in some cases, uh, Missouri, they appear in one. <laughs> it's like I've got three blowboys. Yeah. Missouri, yeah. Meg, and Ada. Yeah. <laughs> and I haven't seen any of them in like 10 episodes, and I am pissed. <laughs> You've had Bella. I have had Bella, but okay. I don't I don't classify Bella as a blowboy yet. Okay. They're All not right. my blowboy yet. Okay. I love Bella, but like... That's fine. She hasn't made your top three tier. No. That's okay. We'll respect that. Is she top five? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, beautiful. So she beats out both brothers. Yes. Wonderful. Okay. 100%. <laughs> I love your ranking of characters. I would I'm really excited. When we get to the end of the series, I would love to do just like a a full ranking of Jamie's. We should start characters. making a list. We should I should start another spreadsheet. I've got like twelve. I need another one. <laughs> I have a problem. So moving on from from maybe the lighting was okay. Yeah. Amazing. We realized when we finished recording Juice and Below. That we never actually touched on the fact that Dean found out about Lilith and that Sam hadn't been telling him. Yeah. And then we recorded Ghost Faces with Abigail and it seemed weird to pepper it in there. So we're bringing it back here. (laughs) Jamie and Beth, professional podcasters. Absolutely. So let's very quickly, maybe, or not quickly, depending on how much you have to say about it, touch on on that just so that we've covered it. Because it it does become relevant again in this episode. Well, yeah, because now... Ooh, secrets are out. Ooh. 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 Uh, Yeah, so Dean now knows about Lilith, and also Sam now knows that Ruby cannot help Dean. Dean. Yeah. Which is... Big news for Sam. Yeah. Yeah, because he's spent this whole season basically relying on the fact that Ruby knows how to save Dean, and Ruby's going to help him save Dean. And interestingly, Sam doesn't seem that mad at Ruby. No. (laughs) For straight up lying to him about that. Yeah. He's mad at Dean for not telling him that Ruby was lying to him. And I'm like, okay, fair. But like, also maybe be mad at the person who lied to your face in the first place. 
it might be that Sam just didn't have a lot of faith in Ruby to begin with. And so it's sort of like, what's the point of being mad at Ruby? Like she was a demon anyway. Like I wasn't putting a lot of stock in her anyway. Like the betrayal is sort of like, well, curse your son. Seen that coming. Curse your son, but inevitable betrayal. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Did did we have anything to say about that? Really, I just I thought it was important. We didn't mention it at all. No. So I thought we better mention it. But did, yeah. we have, did we have anything we wanted to touch on regarding that situation? Here's the thing. In this episode, obviously, I don't know if it's ever confirmed that the, like, demonic omens or whatever following the brothers around mm-hmm. were just the whatever. The croquet. The croquetta, I think. The croquetta. Yeah. It's which, a croquet. Which they make the sa- they make a joke that it sounds like a sandwich. They're not wrong. It does yeah. kind of sound like a sandwich. I'm calling it the croquet. I'm not. I'm but, not sure on the pronunciation. I, again, watch this with subtitles, so I don't actually know. I don't think they ever actually established if the demonic omens following the brothers were the croquet or if they were the, like, actual demonic omens following the brothers. Like, because yeah. they suggest that it might be, but they never actually confirm. I, yeah, I and, think the implication there is that Dean's reaching. Yes. Because Sam's like, mm, I don't remember any electrical storms. Like, I think this is a bit far-fetched. But also, I'm going to say... Dean's not just reaching mm-hmm. in his, like, oh, these are demonic omens following us. He's reaching in the, these are demonic omens following me. Yeah. It's like, you now know about Lilith, the demon that's trying to kill your brother. Yeah. Are you really sure that this is about your Crossroads demon deal and not the fact that your brother's meant to be the leader of hell? And we and specifically know that the, he is a target on his back? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a very good point. Honestly, Dean at this stage is just, I think, so preoccupied with the fact that he's, I think he says in this episode, like he's staring down the barrel at hell. I I don't think he has room for anything else. Actually, on that, I realized in this episode, it's abundantly clear that the voice on the end of the phone is not John. Yes. How is this abundantly clear? Well, first of all, because it's the plot of the episode. But second of all, because he says, I love you. And... (laughs) <laughs> That's the exact scene that fucking tipped them off when John was possessed. Exactly, exactly. And Dean doesn't pick it. No. He has, like, no reaction to he's it. He's so desperate that he's... Exactly. He's so <gasps> overwhelmed. The tables have turned. <laughs> Sam's no longer desperate. It's now Dean. <laughs> Look, honestly, I think they're both pretty fucking desperate. He is obviously... They take so turns weird. based on the episode, based on who's more desperate. Like, Literally. They just flip-flop between. To be honest quite fairly distracted yeah. mm-hmm. by his imminent death sentence, really. Because at this point, what are we now? Episode 14. There's two episodes left of the season. So it makes sense that we're coming up to the crunch now. Yeah. And in terms of like the time that's passed in the show, we're coming up on that one-year deadline. Yeah. It is not very far away. No. We can probably, I've said to you before, they tend to keep the schedule of the season relatively close to like the schedule of like a year has passed with each yeah. season. That's kind of how it goes. Yeah. Which means the that... The release schedule sort of mirrors in-universe time, yeah. roughly. Yeah, exactly. So if we're coming up to two weeks-ish left of airing time, that mm. means that Dean's probably coming up to, like, a month. Like, Maybe a month, month and a half at a stretch. Yeah. And, you know, obviously he and Sam are saying at the top of the episode that, you know, they're working Dean's case right yeah. now. And that's what they've been doing these past couple of weeks. Mm. Working with Bobby as well, trying to find Bella, mm. trying to find the cult, trying to, like, Dean says, you know, we've just been chasing our tails. It, yeah, it's getting to the crunch. And he's so overwhelmed and caught up in it that it's making him sloppy. Yes. And that's really, really evident in this episode, particularly. Because <laughs> he is making some 
rookie mistakes. And like at this point, we like Dean. We know Dean is good at his job. Yeah. Like we've talked about before, he's shit at talking to people. Yeah. But other than that, and Sam even calls him out on it in this episode. Mm-hmm. He's like, "You are going on no hard evidence." Yes. Here's the thing: it's not like he has like one piece of hard evidence and then several pieces of like kind of evidence. Yeah. It's all kind of evidence. None mm-hmm. of it is definitive at all. Yeah. And also there's no evidence that killing the demon that holds the contract is actually going to fix anything. actually let him out of his contract. Yeah. That's just like their hope. Okay. Sorry. Let's derail this for a moment. Absolutely. Go ahead. So we've just talked about how even killing the demon that holds the contract won't necessarily let him out of his. What if yeah. demons have wheels? Like, if you kill a demon, they have, like, a wheel that, like, passes along, like, the souls that they own. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, So, like, when, like, a medical professional retires and they have to, like, pass on their existing clients to, like, other medical professionals, like, the same thing. And you'd assume, like, that whoever holds the contract and, like, they they own the soul once the contract comes to pass, right? Yeah. So, like, imagine if you're, like, the big, like, big head honcho of the crossroad demons and you just have owned all of these souls and you're like, okay, this one's going to Steven, (laughs) that one's going to Stephanie, I think... You know, my blubber over there would really like to torture that one for eternity. Like, he can have... I wonder if it's, like, very specifically, like... Okay, you know how people will trade, like, collecting cards? Can you imagine if it's, like, oh, like, this person gets, like, this celebrity's soul? Yeah. (laughs) As hilarious as that concept is, I will just explain a little bit when it comes to... Oh, I don't think it's going to be... I'm just thinking it's hilarious. I think it would be hilarious. However, when it comes to the Crossroads deals, it's kind of like if you imagine... It's it's very much like a conglomeration, like a like a company. Mm. So even if you are like if you the individual as a crossroads and demon the individual crossroads demon being like, I'm just the sales right. Yes, exactly, exactly. They have made that contract, but that contract, like that soul doesn't actually belong to them. It like yeah. belongs to the company. Yeah. And so it's they wouldn't be able to just be like, here, have this soul. But it yeah. also it also means that yes, if I mean Sam killed the crossroads yeah. demon, that didn't void the contract he killed a crossroads exactly demon. which is why they're now trying to like go up the ranks and like find yeah. the crossroads demon but ultimately i think even that he, it's not yeah. really guaranteed to do anything because yeah. you yeah you would that's what i'm saying like someone else if, will just yeah. get promoted into that space and then they will have the contract like, like <laughs> unless you're gonna kill every single demon one after the other in like a lineup until you run out and there is no one left to take the contract it's still gonna be yeah a contract like, and then, I mean, it's fucking, it's it's supernatural. Yeah. They're, like, and not just the show, like, the element of supernatural. Yeah. The contract could have, like, a supernatural element where, like, the person who made it doesn't have to still be alive to cash in. Yeah. You could still die. Like, yeah, it's just, it's a ridiculous concept. But also, I think it's born out of desperation. Yeah. And people who are desperate will do desperate mm. things. And it's perfectly exemplified in this episode. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I, I, I think it's, yeah, very funny, though, that, their thinking at the moment is literally just like, oh, well, if we kill the demon who holds the contract, then I'm out of my, my contract. It's like, no, that's not how contracts work, mate. Yeah. Like, even non-supernatural <laughs> contracts don't yeah. work like that. Like, if you make a deal with one mortgage broker and then that mortgage <laughs> broker dies, you don't like, just not have a mortgage anymore. <laughs> Actually, and before we get too far from this topic, talking about Dean just being willing to go on no evidence, mm. we get a really interesting argument between them where... Dean has a crack at Sam and is basically saying it's because you think, like, you know, you don't believe in dad, basically. Yeah. And he's saying the guy's dead and you're still butting heads with him. And Sam's like, this is not what this is about. This is about you, like, just being so willing after everything yeah. 
to just operate on this blind faith. And then Dean says, well, maybe that's all I've got. And that's really interesting, just in general, I think. It's also an interesting parallel to earlier seasons (laughs) when Sam is talking and Dean's like, well, you've got me. Is like, well, I'm here for you, Sam. Like, you have me. And how in his brain that goes one way but not the other. Yeah, very much so. Sam can have him, but he doesn't have Sam. Yeah, we've talked about this a fair bit, actually. It ties back into the whole Dean can take Sam's burdens, but Dean cannot burden Sam. Yes. Like, it's just like, for him, it's not a two-way street. It's like, I am the parent. Yeah. It is not on a parent to burden their children. Yeah, and I think the incredibly specifically interesting thing about that is that it's a great example of Dean refusing to do to Sam what John did to him. Absolutely flat out being like, I am not going to take my problems and make them your responsibility. Yeah. I am going to deal with it. I am not going, like, I'm not going to ask for that help because I don't feel like I can. But the problem is, obviously, is that you sometimes do need to ask for help. And also, he's actually, for all intents and purposes, he's his parent. Yeah. But he's not actually his parent. They're, you know, and so it, and Sam doesn't understand. I think at this point, it's pretty abundantly obvious. Sam does not understand the way that Dean sees their relationship being different from the way that he himself sees their relationship. Yeah. Sam's like, oh, wow, we're brothers. And Dean's like, that's my child. Literally. and But Sam is completely oblivious yeah. to it. And actually we do get, in season five, there is a particular episode that really exemplifies this difference. It really hammers home how differently they not only remember their childhoods and what they valued in their childhoods, but also the way that they viewed their relationship to each other. It's a very, very, like, you can't miss it in that episode. And I'm very interested. I'm very excited to get there, I think. It's so it's interesting now to see it here, yeah. knowing that this is exactly the point. And like the thing Dean doesn't realize is because Sam, like, because Sam views their relationships as brothers, Sam would, you know, step up and become the fucking leader of her. Like he would sacrifice himself for Dean. Yeah. But Dean's like, no, that's not acceptable. Like yeah. I am Winchester hypocrisy syndrome again. Yeah. yeah. I sacrifice for Sam, not Sam sacrifice for me. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Like I have to protect Sam at all costs, including protecting Sam from my shit. Yeah, exactly. And it's, again, interesting. We talk about, obviously, Dean's made this deal, and, like, we know that this is a deal he shouldn't have made. Like, there is no question there. Like, yes, he saved Sam, and we love Sam. We're glad Sam's alive. However, we can't say that Dean made the correct decision if we also say that a season earlier, John made the wrong one. So (laughs) we have to – they can be hypocritical – we have to at least. <laughs> I'm going to say this now, though. Sam made the wrong decision first because he should have just fucking shot John. Yeah, if Sam had shot John, none All of this <laughs> shit would have been different. And again, I actually wonder, like, because obviously, like, the Demon Hunger Games was part of a large plan. Yeah. If they had killed Azazel back in the season one finale and, like, Sam had shot oh. and actually killed Azazel, would the Demon Hunger Games still have happened just with somebody else in charge or would it have just been... You know, it was his science project and with him dead, no one else bothered picking up on it. I'm trying to think of a way to talk about this that isn't spoilery, Jason, Mm. because it's not directly spoilery. Mm. I think what I will say is we've talked about before how, like, Azazel, like, there's, like, a hierarchy Mm. somewhere here. And I do think that Azazel is not at the top of that hierarchy. I don't think that's a spoiler to tell you. So I assume that if Azazel had been killed, it would have been a, a like someone would have been promoted, yeah, or someone from above would have stepped in to take over. But it is an interesting, it is an interesting idea because it was not to 
not to be punny about it, but this hung, the Demon Hunger Games was kind of Azazel's baby. Like, yeah. you know, like, that was his whole yeah. shtick, and we will get more information on that mm. at a later day. So, yeah, I guess that is interesting. Yeah. Can you imagine if, like, Meg... <laughs> if Meg had been running it, Ava would have won. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I do think it's interesting, because obviously I've just said, Dean's whole thing is that I won't do to you what, what Dad John did, did to, to me. me. Yeah. Except that he did, because yeah. he made the deal. Yeah. And I wonder then if his absolute reluctance to do any, like, I wonder if that's influential. Like, he's done to Sam exactly what John did to him, and now he's like, oh, God. I did to Sam what John, Dad did to me. Yeah. I cannot do anything else that Dad did to me to Sam. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, like, like I fucked up. Oh, no. The Johnification of Dean Winchester has begun. Let's, let's, let's reel that right back. <laughs> I can't, yeah, I can't do to Sam what John did to me. And I can't undo the deal I've already made. So let me not make it worse by now let me burdening not him yeah. further. Because when John made the deal, he burdened Dean even further by making Sam even more Dean's responsibility. I'm yeah, sorry. I know. Just... It's been a while since we've talked about John because he's been blissfully absent. I Yeah, look, John Winchester is a shitty fucking father. Been there, done that. Been, let, let's move on. Oh. Here's a, here's a topic change. Oh. I have a guess for your PSA. Okay. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, let's go into that today. Okay. And if this is not it, I want to talk about this anyway. Okay. Is your PSA to do with proper telephone etiquette? Is that your only guess? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> I'm going to assume that's a no. <laughs> From the silence and the look that you're giving me and the way that you're laughing, I'm going to assume... That is not your PSA. Am I correct in assuming that? Okay. So are you ready for my PSA this week, Bev? Yes. We'll, we'll circle back to the telephone thing because I do want to talk about that. But yes, go on. My proper PSA is if you don't want someone you're going to call, they're not. you can't expect them to answer. This is why I wanted to talk to you about this. Because this may be just a me thing. I don't know if anyone else is going to relate to this. I think that cold calling people is rude inherently. And... I don't mean, like, obviously, if it's something is, like, time-sensitive or an emergency, or, like, if you're calling someone in a professional capacity, different. But if you're, like, I want to ask my friend a question that is not time-sensitive or urgent, I will just call them. I think that's a little bit rude. <laughs> because I hate when I am just living my day, having a time, and someone calls me, and I have to stop whatever I'm doing to answer a call that could have been a text. Like, if you just want to know, what are you having for dinner tonight? Text me. Don't call me. I'm at the shops right now, or I'm at the doctor's right now, or I'm doing the dishes and my hands are wet. And why are you calling me to ask me that? You could have sent that as a text. I could have looked at my phone in the shops and quickly said, I'm having spag bog for dinner. And then that's end of conversation. But no, now I'm on the phone with you in a crowded public space, my hands are full. No, it's really annoying. <laughs> it's really annoying. Like, that might just be a me thing. But, like, if it can be a text, it should be. That's, that's, that's my rule. The only time I accept a cold call is in a professional capacity or if it is time sensitive. Because otherwise, it can be a text. It can just be a text. Oh, sorry, one other rule. If they know I'm driving. And then I'm like, okay, Bluetooth, because I can't text you back. But outside of those specific scenarios, fuck right off with a cold call. I am not here for it. Oh, except for my nan. She can't text, so I'll answer her. That's different. 
four, four, four scenarios where I'll accept it. No, all my, my PSA was literally just, you cannot get shitty with somebody if they do not answer a phone call, if they do not know that you were planning on calling Yeah, them. don't like, assume I'm free to take a phone call like, from you. No one owes you their permanent availability. Exactly. Fuck right off. <laughs> Sorry. That Which is vaguely tangentially related to the plot of this episode where someone pretends to be dead loved ones to... Yeah. Remember how I said that the the theme of dead loved ones being, like, used to manipulate the living was, like, recurring? Well, I wasn't kidding. This isn't even the last time that happens. <laughs> Very specific, the whole come to me thing, though. Yeah, weird choice in wording. There's, there's a scene in, I think it's season 11, where the antagonist... Somehow brands, I don't remember how it happens, I just remember the result because it's ingrained in my brain. Basically, the antagonist has like branded across one of the protagonist's chest the words, I am coming. Oh my god, I've seen the, the, <laughs> the, the, the screen cap of that yeah. on Twitter because it's Cass. And yeah. it's like, and he has to just walk into this scene. They're like, Cass, what's wrong? And he just opens his shirt and it just says, I am coming. Why they thought that was a good idea. It's so funny. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. And it's what this episode reminds me of. <laughs> Once you've recovered, mm-hmm. let's move on to a. Uh, oh, we, we need to talk about it. Okay. The fetishized. I cannot speak. The busty Asian beauties. The fucking busty Asian beauties is back. Like, yeah, what the fuck, guys? I know. Big yikes. I know. I don't really have anything to, like, add to a com- like the conversation. We've already talked about this in. Talk Tales, and I told you that it would be returning, and yeah, it does, and we hate it. it. It's just, it's just infuriating, and it's inappropriate, and it's racist, and it should never have made it onto the screens. I don't think, I don't think there's that much more to say on it. In That's like episode, an icy cold take. Like. Yeah, exactly. But I do want to talk about that scene in general for for two reasons. Well, for a couple of reasons. One, the part where Dean gets all like gruff and he's like, I suggest you run the numbers and like does the intimidation yeah. tactic. And then he like stands back and like looks at Sam and he's got this like goofy little grin. Like he's so fucking proud of himself yeah. and I love that for him. But also, Stewie's desk. Yeah. Right. A, disgusting. Yeah. B, really looks like Homer Simpson's desk. Like am I, am I crazy? I don't think you're necessarily wrong, but I did not, like, I didn't look at the desk and think that looks like the Simpsons. That was, like, my first thought. I was like, wow, this really looks like Homer's, like, where he sits in the fucking nuclear plant. And I don't really watch the Simpsons. Like, this, (laughs) it just, it was just in my brain for some reason that that's just really what it looks like. I also want to very quickly mention that we were talking about Dean and free food, which Mm. we've talked about a couple of times before in the show. Uh, He does tell... The guy who's bringing them down to Stewie's office, main office, did say that there would be a lunch. Yeah. Uh, so there he is scamming that free food. Love that for him. It also works, which I think is very funny. Yeah. Did you have something you wanted to go on with? Yes, okay. I do. I am going to, not to bring John back into it. Okay. I find it very, very funny and sad at the same time. Though, like, the scene where Dean's just, like, watching the phone waiting for John to yeah. call it. Quotes, not actually yeah. John. Because, like, let's face it, John wouldn't have fucking answered the call. Oh, Like, if the situation was reversed? Yeah, huh? Oh, Jamie, I've never considered that. What the fuck? John didn't answer his son's phone calls when they were living. Like, why would he answer them if they were dead? Like, do you know what? And you're right, he wouldn't. He wouldn't because he would be like, I, like, he would be like, I know it's not them. Yeah. And he would just not. Care. 
Well, I think he would care, but I don't think he would answer. Yeah. Even if it was just to hear their voices, mm. I don't think he would. Yeah. Oopsie doopsies. Why? You've made me so sad. <laughs> Actually, look, well, when what? you sign on to make a fun podcast with your friend who hates Supernatural and she accidentally <laughs> rips your heart out. <laughs> okay. I I do very quickly want to just touch on, though, just in this terms of the plot for this episode, how fucking traumatizing it must be to be on the phone and hear the voice of your dead yeah, for like Especially, like, Lainey and her younger brother. I can't remember his name, but... Yeah, I think just the concept of this episode, like, yeah. we, we talked about before, like, the weird specification of, like, come to me or whatever. It's, like, an interesting choice. But... Just the the overall concept is just fucking heartbreaking. Actually, it did remind me, for anyone who's seen Buffy, it really did remind me of the episode where there's this, like, ancient demon that gets scanned into the school's, like, internet through their, like, they're scanning, like, books and something, mm-hmm. kind of just, like, it pulls it out of the page and into the computer and, like, Willow ends up talking mm-hmm. and, like, having, like, this online boyfriend that ends up being, like, a demon. Fun! It's a, Look, if you haven't seen Buffy, would recommend... It's a wild time. It's freaking heckin' crazy. But it did really remind me of that episode in particular. <laughs> also, we do get a lovely little hashtag technology is evil speech from the villain this week. We do. It's an interesting... I mean, it's not It's not a hot take. Actually, okay. On that, I do think right now, 2022, not a hot take. Yeah. However, when this was aired, which would have been like 2007, 7-8... It probably is more of a hot take because social media was not... No, not what it was. Nowhere near as prevalent. Yeah. So, like, while it's still not, like, a, like a spicy take... No. It, I don't think it was as much of, like, an icy cold take as it is now. now. it's sort of like everyone's had that fucking take. Previously, they would have been maybe in the first 50-odd people to make the take. Like, yeah. still not, like, brand spanking new, but certainly not, like... Well, when was Facebook established? I always forget. I don't know, 2009 or something? No, that was the first iPhone. I don't fucking remember. It's and not, look, at but, this point, it's still, my space is still new and shiny in this point of the show. Yeah, yeah. so it's it's certainly interesting. And I actually think she is, is she in MySpace or like MSN or something when she's messaging her mom? Probably MSN. Yeah. And that was the shit, man. <laughs> so it's interesting to hear it in, in a show that's like, so like age now yeah. like i saw someone t- on twitter like ref- say that netflix have moved supernatural into their like retro, retro section yeah. which is like fuck okay it ended like two years ago but sure it's retro it's retro oh and also i want to get your take on this okay the use of the webcam to show her mum coming up behind her and like putting her hand on her shoulder I think that is horrifying. I think it was very effective, and I'm interested to see if you liked it, or if you didn't even blip on your radar. Yeah, didn't really, like, it was good. It I was nothing that I was like, oh my god, wow, incredible, ingenious, like... Yeah. But it, it, it was very effective, and it worked in the situation. Yeah. Though, talking about special effects, that didn't work. The mouth. I know. He looks like a velociraptor. It's very 2005 <laughs> special effect, isn't it? Like, have... I wouldn't say that it's, like, the worst special effect I've ever fucking seen. Yeah. But it's it's very 2005. What's really funny to me is, do you remember in uh, episode two of this season, the kids were all right, and yeah. you had, like, the kids, and they were, like, feasting on the mothers or whatever, yeah. and they also had, like, the wide mouth yeah. kind of effect. 
it's funny because it's almost the same. Yeah. But somehow it worked pretty well in the yeah. season, like the start of the season. And this one just. I think it might be the coloring because in the kids are alright, it's sort of like they have the open mouth, but like the coloring around it is like black and dark blue yeah. in that. Whereas this one, it's all like red. So just the difference in that the, little the bit. The coloring of like the red, and because it kind of looks like it's red and glowy. Yeah, well, it is kind in of this like, like, it looks like he's sucking out the soul. Yeah. Yeah. And I think actually he does mention like eating the soul. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of what they're going for. Yeah, no, I, I, I still find it very funny though that when Dean's like, oh, there's a demonic presence following us. He's like, it's following me. Yeah. Couldn't possibly be following Sam. It's following me. One thing that I did want to touch on is that Sam, when, <laughs> when Dean tells Sam that John called and Sam's like, well, what did he say? And they're like, you know, talking about it. And Dean's like, well, what do I do if he calls back? Like, what do I say? And Sam's like, hello. hello? And Dean's like, hello? Really? That's what you're going to come back with? And Sam's like, I don't know. That whole interaction is, first of all, very funny. But second of all, really funny in retrospect once you've seen an episode in season six. So <laughs> I, when we get to that episode... Again, accidental foreshadowing. Not necessarily like foreshadowing but it's like a hilarious kind of mirror yeah. and i <laughs> i was watching accidental that scene. parallel i was watching that scene and i was like damn sam you really flipped on your opinion of the use of the word hello <laughs> we'll we'll come back to that there's also like sam also is like oh what did he sound like and dean's like dad yeah he literally. sounded like dad like <laughs> <laughs> sam's confusing in this episode he doesn't seem to understand how phones work speaking of the dead loved ones over the phone I I realise that the situation with Lainey and her mother is very upsetting. Like, I understand mm. that fully. However, I do think that it's really funny that when she's explaining to Sam that she's heard from her mother on the phone, mm. and Sam's like, well, that's not weird. What are you talking about? And she's like, she's dead. And then she specifies, like, three years dead. And I'm like, would it be less weird if she was less like <laughs> I, I think it's more so like it's like well she's been dead for years like yeah but, but would it be weirder if she'd only been dead a week like that's my question i'm like why like if she'd been dead 10 years is that weirder than the fact that she's only been dead three or would it be weirder that she would if she'd only been dead a week i like, think the implication is like it's not like it couldn't just be like a voicemail or something like and technology on the fritz or anything yeah like it's like no it's like she's Fully. There, there is no way in hell that like this has been organized pre-death. Like, yeah. Okay. So that makes sense because I was like, what difference does it make how long she's been dead? If she's dead, she should not be able to call you. Like, she can't type. Oh, I wanted to talk about the boys in their suits and the fact that Lainey immediately clocks that Sam's is like a cheap suit. Yeah. But what gets me is she's like, you're not from the phone company. You're in a cheap suit and you're like driving a rental. rental. It's like. Here's the thing. Both of those are easily explained. One, the phone company may not pay that much. You don't fucking know. Yeah. And two, if he's from the phone company, he might be from a different office and has flown in to try and deal with this fucking issue that they're having with the phone lines. The only thing that, like, made me, like, understand that is, like, I don't know... I don't know if this is, like, just an Australian thing or if this is, like, global or whatever, but if, like, Telstra came to my house or even, like, Optus, they would not be wearing a suit. Probably not, no. Never. They'd be wearing, like, a branded polo yeah. with a lanyard yeah. that had, like, their, like, ID or whatever yeah. on it and, like, maybe chinos. Yeah. Like, they're not wearing they're not wearing a suit. They're certainly not wearing a tie. Yeah. They would have a little clipboard and they would absolutely be wearing a lanyard. Yeah. Absolutely. 
but not essentially. Entirely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like the lanyard is key. Here. Yeah. And that would be it. If someone showed up in a suit and was like, "I'm from the phone company," I'd be like, first of all, which one?" <laughs> that's that's my other thing. Actually, they never give the phone company a name yeah. the entire episode, and yeah. I was like, "I mean, just pick one." To be fair, though, if someone showed up at my door and I wasn't expecting them, I would not answer the door, which is again the cold calling thing. Yeah. I think it's kind of rude. But <laughs> if someone from like Telstra showed up to someone's door unannounced, mm-hmm. they would get told to fuck off. Yeah, like we hate Telstra. Here. Particularly Telstra <laughs> would get told to just fuck off. But like, Maybe not in a rude way, but and in here's a like, the thing, though, I, I actually think way. their sort of cover story is one of their better cover stories that we've seen so far. Mm. Because like it makes sense if they're having issues with like phone lines in a certain area. Yeah, it makes sense for someone from the company to just be going and just being like, "Oh, hey, look." We've been having like reported issues with the service. Have you experienced anything like yeah, this? Yeah, and it's also so they not can sort like... of judge the scope of the problem. Like that, that makes sense. Like in my brain, that's not. It's not a huge leap. And yeah. it's also probably less of an offense to impersonate someone from a phone mm-hmm. company than yeah. like an officer of the law. Which also, I did want to quickly mention Dean telling the widow that withholding information from the police is a capital offense, and Sam's little like law boy cough in the background, like, mm, no, that's not true. And then Dean being like, in some parts of the world, I'm sure. <laughs> I fucking love it. I love that Sam is still practicing law. He's like in his mind. He's like, mm, no, Dean, that is incorrect. <laughs> I also love the widow being sassy. I love when the victims of the week get sassy with the boys, and they're like, "Did you see anything weird?" And she's like, "You mean besides my dead husband?" Love that for her, because yeah, obviously, you ding dongs. Oh, I do kind of want to talk about the phone call with John before we. Oh, right? okay, and. Not about John, don't worry. I was going to say, this would be the third John conversation we've had, so... But the fact that it sounds like the phone call is... Like, it sounds like they didn't get Jeffrey D. Morgan in to record the lines. It just sounds like they took different segments of, like... And, like, cut them from, like, different scenes (laughs) to make this phone call. Like, the audio quality on that is, like, really weird. And I don't know if it's just because they were trying to, like, sell the bit of, like, it being... He's calling from the afterlife, yeah. But, like, it, it... to me, it kind of sounded like he wasn't available to record the lines, so they just, just went through all of his appearances and just, like, cut out. I fucking hope that's what they did, because that is hilarious. But just, like, there's weird pauses where they don't seem to be necessary. Yeah. And I I, I think it might have just been a stylistic choice to, like, but- sell the bit, but, like, it... It just feels like they were like, oh, yes, like, he's not available. Let's go through. Let's just go through the first three seasons worth of information that we've already got and just cherry pick what we Every bit of dialogue that we've got from him, let's just, like, pick the bits that are relevant and, like, kind of weirdly cut them together. Do you know what? Not possible because they needed him to say I love you and he's never said that before in his life. So (laughs) sorry to to plug a hole in your theory, Ben. Oh, no. That man has never told his son he loves him, so. Not even while he was possessed? I don't think so. I think he's no, like, I'm he proud said, of you. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. which is, again, would never say that. Yeah. Mm. I do think it would be hilarious if they had done that. However, unfortunately, because John Winchester is such a shitty parent, uh, I can prove that it is incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> hilarious observation, though. Oh, I wanted to make a quick note. When Sam and Dean are in the museum... And they were on, like, the tour. The, like, tour guide lady, first of all, she deserves a raise. She is giving that her all. She's, like, going nuts with the and sound effects. And we're walking. And we're not touching that. And we're walking. I was like, that is absolutely 
iconic when she is talking about the spirit phone and she's doing the like quotations and fingers what is so funny to me is she was doing that and I went to write down a note being like what's with the air quotes and as I was typing it I heard Dean say what's with the quotey fingers and I was like Jesus fucking Christ (laughs) my Dean coding I will embrace some Sam coding for a minute and say it's for the legality reasons. (laughs) Because if a tour guide says something, that could be construed as definitive. Yeah. Having the, you know, quoted fingers, the air quotes, just means that it can be interpreted as not fact. Okay. Like, (laughs) it's just the little mechanism in place to demonstrate for the audience that the official position of the museum is not that the spirit phone can talk to the dead. Right. Cool. <laughs> Little girl Jamie's on the case. Oh, dear. Add, add that to the collection. What have we got? So we've got psychic Jamie, tradey Jamie, lawyer Jamie. Is that it? I feel like we've got another one. I feel like we've got another one. Window washer Jamie. <laughs> I don't know if that's what no, we've got. <laughs> I don't think we've actually done window washer Jamie. Well, I'm making, I'm saying it now. I mean, we've got customer service Jamie. Customer service Jamie. Oh, God, you've got so many alter egos on this show. Mechanic Jamie? I don't know if we've actually done that one in the show or just in (laughs) real life, but Mechanic Jamie is also there. I've definitely messaged you Mechanic Jamie before. Okay, to beat a dead horse a little bit more. Okay, love that. Let's go back to Lilith. We have talked about her earlier. We're going to loop right back around. Loop right back around. And we haven't heard anything really from Lilith, which considering at the end of Juice and Blow, which is two episodes ago now, she was hunting Sam. Yeah, which ties back into what you were saying at the top of the episode where it's like it's funny that Dean seems to think that he is the one that's being targeted when it's like, "Mm, honey, sweetie, baby, they kind of already have you. (laughs) I also think it's interesting, though, that, okay, we know that Dean's not actually doing anything that would get him out of his deal, but, like, they, it's got specifically the clause that if he tries to welch... Sam dies. Sam dies. Yeah. Which I would argue that this episode constitutes him trying to welch. I would argue that anything of him trying to hunt down the Crossroads demons would count Would count as him trying to welch. So it's like... I guess it depends on where the demon kind of draws the line yeah. in that interpretation. But yeah, you're right, because it's a very vague, like... Caveat. And considering, considering that I'm assuming what the demon wants is Sam dead and Dean dead, I'm surprised that it hasn't been an issue mm. that they're working Dean's case. That they're... You know, because, like, he is, he's trying to welch, full stop. Like, that is... I guess plot-wise, they kind of just have to let it slide, because yeah. otherwise they would just have to kill them, and then that would just be the end of the show. Oh. <laughs> so, I guess... In a better just, universe. I guess they just kind of have to leave it be. While we are sort of just briefly talking about Lilith, though, we are coming into the final couple of episodes. Do you have any thoughts going into those last couple of episodes, or is it not? I mean, they haven't given us a lot of information, so I'm not expecting you to have much, but... Well, I'm assuming the season finale will contain two things. Okay. Dean dying or successfully managing to bolt on his deal. Yeah, so it's like one of two options. Yeah. The conclusion of that plot line. Yeah. And two, I reckon Lilith is going to find Sam. Okay. There's going to be some sort of fight and showdown. Blah, 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 blah. Whatever. Like, at this point, we know that Lilith is trying to kill Sam. Mm -hmm. Because I think Lilith is probably vying for some sort of power in hell. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, Sam has a valid claim to that power. Yeah, so it's almost like Sam has like a, a stake in the throne yeah. and she wants to eliminate that 
Because, okay, he's probably not going to try and usurp her or whatever. Yeah. Like, he's probably not going to come and try and vie for a position of power in hell. But because he does have even that smidgen it of so legitimate claim to it, if he's alive, there is threat. always the possibility that he could be like, oh, yeah, no. It may also be a loyalty thing because if, like, Ruby yeah. made the point a few episodes ago, like, you know, she was ready to follow Sam mm-hmm. and actually so did the demon from uh, Sin City. She was ready to follow Sam. So while Sam is alive, maybe it's a divided loyalty yeah. thing. Whereas maybe they don't respect Lilith's authority because they're still waiting to see what's going to happen with Sam. Sam, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's really interesting. I did just realise I would be interested to know, obviously Sam finds out in this episode, we already mentioned that L- Ruby's been lying to him. Yeah. Do you think there are going to be ramifications from that in, like, there? Because they've kind of become not, like, friends. Yeah. But, like... Frenemies. Frenemies is a good... Yeah, is a good descriptor, I think. Like, they're kind of, like, mutually benefiting each other in the way that they aren't actively trying to murder each other and Ruby keeps saving their lives. Yeah. So, do we think that's going to have an impact? I mean, you'd kind of hope so, but also this show really likes to do the hand-wavy, it's still <laughs> now thing. So, I... Yeah, it kind of feels like the way they at least treated it in this episode that they're going to be like, oh, no, well, Sam was betrayed by Dean. So that's where all of that. He's going to, like, put his emotional, like, outreach. Outreach? He's going to take out his emotions in that regard rather, rather than, than on splitting them. So. Yeah. Okay. No, that's cool. I just wanted to. Like, it's certainly it. a possibility, but it does kind of feel like at least the way they did it in this episode that Ruby's going to skirt a lot of the blame for that one. Okay. Cool beans. Do you have any other things that you want to touch on coming up to the end of the season? I mean, I guess I'm about to ask about the next episode anyway, but... Mm. Oh, I will just say, in the house where the guy is trying to kill Dean... Mm-hmm. Oh, we should talk about that, actually. Yeah, probably. That's not my point. I'm, it's nothing serious. Mm-hmm. They have a green wool, and I love the shade of green they <laughs> Cool. <laughs> I didn't notice the green wool, but I'm so happy for you. But no, yeah, we should probably actually talk about how um, Dean was able to be manipulated yeah. into nearly killing a civilian. Yeah, but here's the thing. If the civilian hadn't been manipulated as well, mm. would not have gone down like that. Yeah, it's a very clever ploy, actually. Like, mm. the Monster of the Week, we didn't really talk about him very much, but I do think he was quite opportunistic, Yeah, I think is a good a good word, and very, like, clever in the way that he handled these situations, because... He is not actually going out and doing anything himself. He's no. making people do it to each other and themselves, which is mm. a very... It, it's a clever tactic. Yeah. I don't... I'm not endorsing it, but it is a clever tactic for an evil person to yeah. employ. <laughs> and I do think it is very effective in, in the scene because you're watching Dean beat the shit out of this poor guy who is looking at Dean and thinking that this is the man who mm. murdered his, I think, Daughter. nine-year-old. Yeah. You know, and... Fuck me. Like, that's just... I'm not even going to try and... We don't have time to unpack all of that. that. Yeah, exactly. It's just so horrifying for so many reasons. And then... And yeah, and you're watching... It's it's interesting sometimes Supernatural does this, where you're watching the protagonist, who you're supposed to be like, they're like the hero. Yeah. You know, and you watch them doing something that you, you as the audience member are so aware is so morally incorrect. Yeah. And so, like, the wrong choice. But it's, it's really conflicting because you're like, you're supposed to be like the upstanding hero in this story and you're just not. Yeah. And it is something that they do on and off throughout the series. And I do find it interesting when they do it. But I think it's also really important to acknowledge that, yes, Dean is objectively making the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, Dean is going on inconclusive proof. Yeah, we talked about this before. He's just so desperate. He's, he's just so desperate. But even then, his desperation only goes so far because he does still have the holy water. And if mm-hmm. the dude hadn't opened with trying to shoot him with the fucking shotgun, yeah, Dean would have started with the started holy with water. the holy water. Realized there wasn't a demon, and it would not have gone that far. Yeah, and interesting. Interestingly, this comes back to something that we talked about. I think in oh god, um, false and prison blues. Yeah, two nineteen. And we talked about how when Dean is fighting, he's fighting to incapacitate. Like, he's not yes. fighting to, like, maim or kill. He's fighting to be like, I've won, yeah. except that I've won. And I think in this instance, like, he goes in there not going in there to kill the the person, obviously. Yeah. He's going in there to exercise the demon. Yeah. Which we don't actually get to find out if that exorcism works. No. Because there's no demon to exercise. So I think it would be interesting. I don't think they ever bring it up again, but it would have been fascinating for them to just hold on to that and, like, test it out next time they saw a demon. Because they just, I mean, to be fair, it could have just been an absolute mumbo-jumbo. Although Bobby and Sam did look into it and say it wasn't exorcism. So they said it wasn't exorcism, but there's no proof that it would do anything more than a normal one. It's, like, theoretically, it could work. But also there's no recorded proof of it working. Yeah. I so it's like it, you can't tell if it's like it's just never been tested before mm. or if it just doesn't work. I think it would be interesting if they had kept it just to like test it on the next month, like the next demon they actually yeah. did have. Yeah. But yeah, like he doesn't go in there obviously to hurt the, no. the human host. He goes in there to kill the demon. Hence why he goes in there and he does the devil trap and all that sort of shit, which... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the dude just walks straight out of it and he's like, oh, fuck, he's not possessed. Yeah, exactly. And anyway, I just, that whole scene is, is really sort of confronting, I guess, because sometimes they get it wrong. Mm. Like, sometimes they get it wrong and, like, innocent people get hurt. And, like, that poor fucking dude, yeah. like, how is he supposed to come to terms with that situation, I guess? Like, he just doesn't get to. Oh, I do very quickly want to mention the way that the monster dies I can't watch it. It's so... I hate it. I... Like, it's effective. It's horrifying. Mm. I can't watch it. I I don't really have anything else to say about that. I just... I, I don't like it. Yeah. Look, I, I will agree. The final bit is effective. I just... It was really fucking pissing me off, the fact that they kept on, like, show cutting yeah. backwards and forwards from the spike. Yeah. I think it would have been more effective to show it, like, once yeah. in, like, a passing shot. And yeah. then, like, for it to be like, oh, fuck, that's how... Because, like, Sam has, like, a knife. And it seems like a very specific knife. I think it's actually the monster's knife. Because that um, he uses it to kill Stewie. No. Sam has the knife when he threatens the dude who's not... Oh, when he threatens Stewie. Yeah, and then... But I don't think... The monster knocks him out and then knocks Stewie out and then uses the knife that Sam was threatening Stewie with to kill Stewie. It's the same knife. Well, there you go. So I was out here thinking, oh, no, like, it's the knife that's significant and not, like, Like the placement of the stabbing that's significant. Oh, yeah, that's a good point because that's why he was going to stab Stewie. Dude, I didn't even fucking notice that. God, this is why we need the both of us because if it was just me... On this podcast, but just no, talking into a void. Because it looks like a very, so like, it's a weird shaped knife. It doesn't look like just, like, a normal knife. Like, no. It's not just, like, yeah. So I was thinking, oh, it's, like, it needs to be the specific. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know how some of them are, like, oh, it needs to be, like, silver. Or it needs to be this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about it a lot in, um... 220. 220. With the gin. Yeah. Yeah. 
and how like some of the shit is like so fucking hyper specific. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't realize that what Sam's saying when Sam's going on about oh I know how to kill you was uh the Where specific placement yeah. of like the stab rather than like the blade, almost like an Achilles heel type of situation. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's why I was a uh, oh okay yeah. I think it would have been I don't know better if they had just like shown it once and then yeah. like, rather than do this like constant because I like, just kind of annoyed me. Yeah. Though I will say the like the scene with Dean in the house, right? Like the shotgun shot, like it was like middle of the night, and I had mm. my headphones in. Like that made me jump out of my fucking skin because I was not <laughs> anticipating the shot out of fucking nowhere. I well look because like I you were I I was prepared for like the door to be like broken down or whatever. Yeah. I was not expecting the shot <laughs> through the door. Is that the first jump scare that you've been probably been effective? Yeah. Wow. Damn. I'm normally pretty good at, like, seeing jump scares coming and, mm. like, you know, I, I don't jump very easily. Like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a jumpy person. Like, not to say I never jump, but, like, <laughs> generally speaking, but yeah, I, I didn't see that coming. And because it, it, also, because it was so loud. Like, yeah. Again, I was watching volume down, subtitles on today, yeah. so. Okay, so I think that just about does it for this week's episode. So, Jamie, how would you rate Long Distance Call out of five? I think I'm going to give it three and a half out of five. Okay. Yeah. Like, it was okay. It was it was an episode. But it just, yeah, it didn't, it wasn't as fun as something like Ghost Faces. Yeah. But it was, like, kind of just like a general monster. And like, yeah, that's all right. Not yeah. good, not bad. I think Pretty middle of the road. I agree. I think Supernatural does this really funny thing where, like, right before the season finales, they always have, like, sort of a chill episode, which I guess is supposed to, like, give you a break before stuff's about to get, like, real intense or whatever. But this is that episode, I think, for this season. It just kind of feels like it's kind of a bit of a filler. Yeah. Really. This episode could have been put basically anywhere in the season. And it wouldn't have mattered. And it wouldn't really have mattered. Like, it would have changed a bit because of depending on how far along Dean's deal yeah. was. The, the reason it that, works well here is simply because Dean's desperation really makes sense here. Yeah. Like, that's... Exactly. That's why... It, but you could easily... Like, only slight tweaks would be necessary for it to be... Applicable. Applicable basically literally anywhere. anywhere in the season. Yeah, exactly. Cool. No, I think, I think 3.5 is a pretty fair rating. Next episode is titled Time is on my side. Do you have any thoughts, feelings, predictions, fears? So seems like kind of an ironic time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> time is on my side. Like sounds like Dean's in denial. <laughs> Isn't he always? I'm gonna assume that it's gonna be demon deal Dean's related so heavy mm-hmm. sort of episode. Just because it is a very ironic title yeah. for like the fact that Time is not on Dean's side. Like, Dean is That's like the rapidly running out yeah. of time. Like, that is the whole, like... That was the premise of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> that we just watched, yeah. That's the premise of this entire season. Like, mm-hmm. this entire season is, like, to give it, like, a subtitle, it's like, Dean is running out of time. Yeah, that's the tagline of that's season three. That's the tagline three. of season three. Like, yeah. so I'm going... Sam is stressed. Dean mm-hmm. is running out of time. So I think we're going to see a couple of things in this episode. I don't have any, like, big overarching, like, plot things for this. But, like, I think, one, we're going to get some stuff with Dean's demon deal. Mm-hmm. Either, like, a shot in hell of getting it, getting out of it. Yeah. Or, like, more information about how that system works. Sure. I think we're going to get some more Lilith content. Okay. I think we're going to get some more Ruby content. Yeah. And I think we're going to get some more Bella content. 
Ooh, okay. Because I think they're going to need the gun to go into the finale. That's a really good point. Yeah. And so I think this is going to be, like, this is going to be the episode that gets them into the position that they need to be for the finale. finale. Okay. So you're expecting, so season two's finale was obviously a two-parter. This is yeah. not a two-part finale. Mm. But you think it'll be a similar setup in the sense that it will be one episode, this episode coming will sort of pre-game yeah. the actual finale episode. Yeah, so I just think pretty much one into the other. I don't think after this episode, I don't think they're in a position to go into like finale st- stakes. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, so I think next episode is going to be sort of the episode. It's like in season one, how we had Dead Man's Blood that immediately preceded the two finales. Yeah. And it put all of the things in place. Like, it brought... The cult. The cult into it. It brought John, John Sam, and Dean all together. Yeah. It sort of gave us some more overarching plot stuff mm-hmm. so that they were in the position for the action of the finale. Yeah. So okay. I think next episode's going to be the episode where they sort of put all of the things in place for the finale to yeah. happen. And that's why I think we're going to... And you need Bella because Bella has the cult. Yes. Yeah. I think the cult's going to need be required for the finale, so I think we're going to see Bella next episode. I think also they've sort of got this unresolved ruby thread hanging that they're going to have to figure out, figure out, or at least do something with to put it in a position for the finale. Mm-hmm. And I think the same sort of thing with Lilith. Like I think whether we see all of these characters or not is not. But the they're point. at least going to have to continue. But they're the going thread. to be influential on that. Influential on the next episode. Okay. Cool. I think that is pretty strong in terms of predictions. Mm. Um, Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? No, I think I'm all done for the day. Cool. In that case, if you would like to interact with us any further, you can always find Jamie over on Twitter at DriverPixPod. I think it would be super fun to go over there and discuss with her whether or not the lighting actually has improved by this point in season three, or if her thinking that it's improved is actually just the first symptom of brainworms. Uh, I think that that could be a fun discussion <laughs> to have over there. I will absolutely lurk on that thread. <laughs> and if you want to interact with Bethany, you can find her on Tumblr at Driver Picks the Podcast. And I think it, like, she's talked a bit about how this episode gives, like, Buffy vibes. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have any other, like, episodes of, like, Supernatural and Buffy that have, like, matching vibes? Or is there, like, an episode of Supernatural and a different TV show that have the same vibes. Yeah. Because, like, that could be fun. That could be fun. Okay, let's do some, like, crossover meta. I love that. Let's do some vibe matching. I love that. Okay, perfect. So that is all from us this week. Like I said, if you'd like to interact with us, you can always find us on our socials. We are always hanging out there, so please come and chat. We're very good at lurking. We're so good at lurking. (laughs) And hopefully we have you back next week.